It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show Of the rock show and rocker Mike is here to talk about another legendary rocker. Who do we have today? We have Mr. Dion DiMucci, okay, uh, famous doo wop guy. Uh, went on to do a, a long career in, in regular rock and roll, uh, still to this day, he's making music. Um, very talented, very unique, and very influential. A lot of people claim. Dion as an influence, everybody from Springsteen to Lou Reed. Yeah, he, I think Lou Reed definitely, because, um, yeah, Reed, well, I mean, um, a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, Lou Reed was a, a tremendous doo wop fan. The guy had a doo wop collection of 45s that <laughs> was, was like unheard of. In fact, if in, in the 70s, what he used to do with people is he would he would you know be hanging out and say oh come over to my apartment and then just you know torture them all night with like doo wop records <laughs> you know which I mean and I love that music so it wouldn't be torture to me but I'm sure if you if you're not into it it's like oh my god but he was even into his old age he talked about his love of doo wop and Dion was influential to him and he got to be his friend at, at you know at some point they they collaborated a little bit yeah. later on in the late eighties. Uh, he even inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, yeah, it's a guy that that very influential to a lot of people, uh, different genres, you know. But it all started, like, with this, this doo-wop sound on the streets of New York that was very unique in the 50s. Yeah, they were making sound. They were like the human beatbox almost. They were making sound. Yeah, with yeah I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's anybody that, that that's into rap, you know, you, you have to – tip your hat to the doo-wop bands because they, they were making sounds and these were all these were all vocal harmonies okay um you know it's a genre that today sounds a little dated to some people okay it's like you, it's like your father's music or your grandfather's music but but i you know i kind of grew up on some of this stuff my my father himself was a was a tremendous doo-wop guy uh, from Brooklyn, and uh, when I was a kid, back when you know WCBS was a real oldie station when they actually played music from the fifties. Okay, uh, they don't do that. They don't go that far back anymore. They only go back to like the seventies, I think. But uh, they, you know, there was always doo wop music. There was the doo wop shop on Sunday nights. I forget who hosted it, but that was something that you know. This is pre-internet days. You know, this was something that my dad would listen to. And I always saw my dad on the weekends, So I was always subjected to it. And, uh, you know, if, if, if I went to a bar or something that my dad might have been at, you know, there was doo-wop music on. Because, you know, that was his generation. You know, it was a, people, people forget, like, how big that music was. It was huge because he had, like, he had 39 top 40 hits. And that's just him. I mean, that's you know, that, that, that was, yeah. I mean, he he. Probably, I can't think of anybody that was as successful 
in that genre as Dion. I can't. If somebody could think of someone, let me know. I can't. You know what I found amazing? He was. He could have been one of the people that died in that charter plane. Oh God, yeah. We're gonna talk about the that. Yeah, he was. How he crazy was there. Is that? Yeah, I mean, he was there and almost got on that flight with Buddy Holly and uh, Richie Fallon and the Big Bopper. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so, so uh, well, how do you want to start this? Well, at the at, at the beginning, uh, once again, I picked a, a good month to, to start talking about Dion because he was born July 18th, 1939, yep. okay, to an Italian-American family from the Arthur Avenue section of the Bronx, okay, which is kind of like Belmont Avenue, Arthur Avenue. Uh, there's a little Italy section in the middle of there, that section, and uh, it's still Italian, you know, a couple of square blocks that, that you know, in that area today. Um, as a child, music and entertainment was a big part of his life, as his father, Pasquale, was a vaudeville performer, a uh, bit of a, his dad was a character, you know, uh, Dion's described him as a, like kind of a, a guy who didn't always hold his long and, and uh, you know, worked hard, but, but, you know, kind of was a dreamer, bit of an artist, okay, and he learned a lot from his dad because he would travel with him when he would do vaudeville performing. And uh, he, you know, in that process, he, he got he got uh, exposed to country music, which was kind of different for a kid from the Bronx. OK, at the time. Uh, and he was particularly into the into the music of Hank Williams. OK, Hank Williams Sr. I'm talking about not Junior. So uh, he also got exposed to blues, R&B, and doo-wop just in the neighborhood, okay? Uh, he would hear people performing this kind of music in, in local bars in the Bronx and also on the radio. Uh, there was a radio station, I don't remember the name of it, but, but he, uh, he has said that it was out of New Jersey and they played a lot of country music. So he, he loved listening to country music. Uh, it, it, he loved the stories and, and he learned about the blues from country and from blues, and uh, it was just a, a big influence to him. Now, his singing, which is excellent even to this day, uh, was perfected on the street corners, okay, and in a lot of the Italian social clubs in the Bronx that he would hang out in. Um, this is where all the neighborhood singers created these, like, a cappella riffs that they could do, okay? It's really a very unique type of music. Um, in early 57, he auditioned for the Bob and for Bob and Gene Schwartz. Okay. They had a label called Mohawk records. Uh, they asked Dion to sing a song that had been arranged by Hugo Montenegro, who was a famous American orchestral leader and arranger. And it, the song was originally done by Vic Damone, who was a kind of an old fashioned Italian singer, even at that point. Um, at first, Dion didn't want to do the song because he, he felt like it was like too old fashioned. It was something like his parents would have been listening to. But he took a shot at it because the Schwartzes said, you know, give it a shot. And uh, the backing singers to this group were called the Timberlanes. Dion didn't know who they were. He, he, he probably doesn't even know their names. Um, had never met them before, but they were the backing singers that he had to record that single. And that single was called The Chosen Few. It was released under the name of Dion and the Timberlanes, and it became a minor regional hit in Boston 
of all places, not New York, in Boston. And it actually hit the top 10 there. And because of that, it, it, it brought the attention of American Bandstand, Dick Clark and American Bandstand. And he was asked to come on and sing the song. And, and he, that was his very first appearance. And, it, you know, it, doing that, all the girls were screaming at him, you know, cheering for him when he was performing. <laughs> yeah, he was a good-looking kid, you know. Yeah. And, and, and uh, he, he realized, wow, I could, like, be a, a recording star if I really do this right, you know. And uh, Dion and the Timberlands didn't last, okay. They, they, he would go home to the Bronx uh, realized that he had to put something together. So he recruited three guys from the neighborhood, Carlo Mastrangelo, Fred Milano, and Angelo D'Alio. Okay. Uh, I believe these guys had talent all on their own. Uh, I think it was D'Alio was operatically trained. Okay. And I think Mastrangelo, I think he was a drummer also and a, and a, and a recognized singer. Same with Fred Milano. Um, these three guys would become the Belmonts, and you would have Dion and the Belmonts. That was the, the first band that he really put together. And they took their name from Belmont Avenue in the Bronx, which was a predominantly Italian section, like I said in the beginning. Uh, and it was all a main part of where they lived. Belmont Avenue was where everybody hung out. If you remember the movie A Bronx Tale, yeah, okay, that, that was representative of that neighborhood at the time. Okay. Now, now, Bob and Gene Schwartz would sign them to an, uh, their newly formed Lori Records. Okay, they put another label together called Lori. And immediately they had a breakthrough hit in 1958 with the song I Wonder Why. Uh, it made number 22 on the national charts. And Dion was off, you know, straight out from there. Now, the next singles were No One Knows and Don't Pity Me, which also charted in the top 100. Yeah. Um, this success got them a place on the Winter Dance Party Tour with Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. Uh, there was also a guy named Frankie Sardo that was very popular at the time, and there was some other performances as well in and out of that tour. Now, on February 3rd, 1959, after a concert stop in the Clear Lake section of Iowa, um, Holly, Buddy Holly, and others decided to charter a flight to the, to the next venue where they were going, okay, instead of taking the tour bus. Uh, the bus was always breaking down. They were having issues with it. It was a pain in the ass. So they just said, let's take a plane. So Dion, it, it, could, only, it could only seat, I believe, uh, four people and the yeah. pilot, okay? So Dion was, was invited to join the group on the flight. And, uh, you know, the story goes that a couple of people flipped a coin to get on and Dion actually won. He was going to get on the flight. Yeah. Uh, but when he realized that it was going to cost him thirty six dollars, which was quite a few bucks at that in 1959. OK, you, you know uh, what he was saying that thirty six dollars was his rent a month. Well, thirty six dollars. The, the way he tells the story is thirty six dollars yeah. was what his parents paid every month for rent. Yeah, when it went when you know in, in the neighborhood in the Bronx, and that they had a hard time even making that, and they used to argue about it. He would hear his parents arguing about the rent, and uh, he just said to himself, "I can't really justify spending that kind of money on a flight, even though they were making good money on the tour." But he still had these 
these kind of like simple neighborhood values and beliefs. Yeah. He didn't want to spend that money. And, and he backed out. Now, he, that night, the, you all know the story, the day the music died, right? The plane crashed that night and it yeah. killed everybody on board. Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper and the pilot, whose name was Roger Peterson. Um, Dion and the Belmonts would continue on with that tour. Okay, uh, sadly, the headliners were, were all killed. Um, but they added uh, uh, singer Bobby V went yeah. on that tour. And later there was a guy named Jimmy Clanton. Frankie Avalon and Fabian also ended up uh, replacing the headliners on that tour. Now, Dion and the Belmont's next single called A Teenager in Love was released on Mar- in uh, March of 1959, about a month after that tragic accident. And it would eventually hit number five in the U.S. And he was starting to make headway in the U.K. where he, uh, they, they got to number 28 with that song. Now, the group's biggest hit, believe it or not, was a song called Where or When. And it was released in November of 1959. That got to number three. Yep. Now, however, um, all was not well within Dion and the Belmonts at that time. Uh, Dion was a street kid, okay? Uh, he, you know, even though he, he looked kind of clean cut, he looked kind of like a, you know, a regular average kid. He really, he really wasn't. He was a street kid from the Bronx. And unfortunately, he had been dabbling in heroin for a few years. And uh, just some bad habit he picked up and, um, since his mid-teens, actually. And he would end up checking himself out, check himself into, I should say, uh, a hospital for the for the heroin addiction. So by what's like a rehab, some form of rehab. And they didn't really have rehab in those days. They had like hospitals. They were usually psychiatric hospitals that would deal with that. Remember the movie Ed Wood? Yeah. All right. That was the same year. That was about 1959 or so, I believe, or 57 maybe, that Bell Lugosi had yeah. checked himself in. Bell, Bell Lugosi was the very first celebrity to ever check himself into a rehab. Okay. And uh, it was really a, like, a, like, a, like a psychiatric ward. And, uh, he, you know, they, weren't, they, they didn't have things like methadone in those days. You're kind of, I, I think you, they would give you sedatives, but you kind of just went cold turkey, which is very dangerous and, and you know, it isn't like even with alcohol or other drugs that you can kind of go cold turkey. Heroin, you could actually die, okay, if, if, if given, given the right circumstances by going cold turkey. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. So tensions in the band related to this problem and some singles that were kind of commercial flops that, that went out later in 1960 made Dion decide to quit the Belmonts and star in a solo career. Now, despite a few flops that Dion and the Belmonts had, eventually all eight of the Laurie singles charted in the Hot 100 by the time the band broke up. So even some of the songs that didn't make a big splash, they, they eventually would chart in the 100. So by the end of 1960, Dion's first uh, solo album called Alone with Dion and the single Lonely Teenager rose to number 12 on the U.S. charts. Now, the name on that album was simply Dion. There was no Dion and the Belmonts, Dion and any, you know, or anybody. Yeah, it's um, a solo album. So. Right, totally solo. So 
follow-ups to that were having fun and kissing game. Uh, they were kind of a little less successful. Um, the, uh, you know, in those days, it, you know, some of that music was, was in and out of the charts and, and Dion was even considering going on the cabaret circuit, which was kind of reserved for like more older washed up acts. But however, he connected with a new vocal group called the Del Satins, and they would record um, a song co-written with uh, a guy named Ernie Maresca. And that track would be the number one smash Runaround Sue. Okay. Now, Runaround Sue was a huge hit. That was and a mega hit. <laughs> monster hit. It sold over a million copies. Got to number one in the U.S. at number 11. Now, uh, Dion and the Del Satins would ride on that success with the U.K. And, and have a very successful tour at that point over there as well. Um, the next single would be the Laurie Records released The Majestic, but it was the B-side that The Wanderer was The Wanderer, and that got yeah. much more airplay than The Majestic did, okay? And it got to number two in the U.S. and number 10 in the U.K. So, you know, he's got two smashes in a row. By the end of 1961, Dion had become a major star, Yes, he's touring them around the world, okay, and even made an appearance in the musical film Twist Around the Clock. And in 1962, he followed with a string of singles he wrote or co-wrote, okay, including Lovers Who Wander, that got to number three, um, Little Diane, that got to number eight, Love Come to Me, that yeah. got to number ten, and... The actual long-playing albums, Run Around Sue and Love Is Who Wander, also sold very well. Things would change by 1962. Uh, Dion would again break out solo, and he would jump over to Columbia Records. He would sign a deal with them and leave Laurie. Now, he was the very first rock and roll artist that Columbia Records ever signed. They were one of the few labels that were kind of holding out for many years. Um, and it was really because their main A&R guy uh, hated rock and roll. Okay. <laughs> but he just, he refused to hire anybody rock and roll. I think the most that he would hire would be like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash had gone on Columbia and he was more of a country artist. So it didn't really count. But Dion was the first rock and roll guy that they had uh, signed up. Now, the first Columbia single was a Lieber and Stoller written song called Ruby Baby. And originally it was a hit for the Drifters, but Dion's version would make it to number two. Okay. And then the next track, Donna Donna the Prima Donna, and also <laughs> Drip Drop, both reached number six in late 63. Yeah, that was Donna Donna the Prima Donna was like Jenny on the block before Jennifer Lopez. You know, it was like that kind of song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, his next few releases, unfortunately, were a little less successful. And uh, Dion's heroin problem kind of returned with that. Uh, seems to be a pattern with Dion, you know, yeah. where, where he would go back and forth with heroin as his career waned a bit. You know, he would go back to it. Now, also, at that point in 63, there was starting to be a lot of musical 
changes. People's tastes were changing. The British invasion bands were kicking off. Okay, the Beatles, the Kings, the Stones. Uh, all these guys were, were, were starting to chart and making a splash in the United States. Um, and it kind of began a little bit of a period of commercial decline for him. Now, after a European tour in 1965, Dion was introduced to classic blues, a whole new genre of music for him. And it was by Columbia Records producer John Hammond. Uh, at the, basically, Columbia didn't want him to, to do anything blues-related. But he was so obsessed with the music that he began to record a lot of blues-oriented material. A lot of it would, would not even be released at first. Uh, he, he recorded Willie Dixon's Hoochie Coochie Man. Uh, Spoonful was another one that he recorded. Uh, they were produced by uh, Columbia producer Tom Wilson. Uh, also, the famous Al Cooper would be on keyboards. Uh, Al Cooper's the guy that does the, the organ at the beginning of... Uh, the Bob Dylan song, okay, uh, um, like a Rolling Stone, you know that song, yeah, okay, I know. yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> now uh, Dion decided to put a new group together at this point, and it was it, they, it was a band he called the Wanderers. So it was Dion and the Wanderers, and um, it was composed. It, was, it comprised of a guy named John Falbu on guitar, uh, Peter Barron on bass. And he brought back his buddy from the Belmonts, Carlo Mastrangelo, and this guy would be on drums, okay? Um, they would make an appearance on the Dick Clark show, Where the Action Is, and a show also called the Lloyd Thaxton Show. And a number of these originals, like I said, they were, rec uh, were recorded. He did some covers, but he had written some blues originals. And they were released, but to little success, a lot of stuff even was not released. Um, many of the singles would actually appear many years later on compilations. But at first, what he was doing there, not too much was getting out. And that was because Columbia really didn't want him recording this material. Now, in, in June of 65, he recorded Bob Dylan's It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. And uh, he actually recorded that six months before the famous... Uh, version by them who was fronted by van morrison that the band them so he actually recorded that song first and i i didn't know that when i did the research and uh i look i looked it up i youtubed it and it's a great version uh bad finger to me does the best version of it okay but it's all over now baby blue but but did uh dion's version is, is great now, yeah yeah in, in 66 and 67 he um reunited briefly with the Belmonts and they made one album as a reunion called Together Again and that was for ABC Records now the album was a flop, it didn't do well but despite the album not selling, the two singles released did good in the UK uh, one of them was a song called My Girl, The Month of May and that, that entered the Radio London Fab 40 at number nine in the week of December 25th, 1966. Uh, clubs like the Middle Earth, where a lot of bands like uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, a lot of hippie bands were playing, they, they picked up on that song. And so did DJ John Peel in England, picked up on it. 
and uh, started to play it a lot. And it was it was a it was a very popular track. The next would be a follow up called Moving Man. And that got to number 17 on the Radio London charts as well. Now, during this year long reunion between 66 and 67, uh, Dion and the Belmonts appeared on the popular Clay Cole show and occasionally did some New York dates uh, playing around the area. One club they played a lot was called the Mardi Gras in Staten Island. Okay. And I wonder where that was. Maybe it was like on Bay Street, you know, or something like that. Got no idea. Um, Dion's career appeared to be over, really. Um, it, it wasn't, it was, you know, he wasn't selling in the States. Uh, but he held on to some relevance because that year, in 67, an album came out that featured him and one other person on the cover. And that was the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper. Yes, it okay. was. Yes, he's, the, he's one of two rock stars, the other one being Bob Dylan, that are actually featured on the cover. And if you, if you look at the cover, it's, it's, it's funny because there's all that montage of stuff. And there's, there's, there's Dion right there with his, you know, his hair in a pompadour kind of. And then Dylan is, is there too. Um, in April of 68, uh, and I should say that the reason that happened with the Beatles was because John Lennon was a tremendous Dion fan. Okay, and uh, they, would, they would become friends later on. Now, in April of 68, Dion experienced what he described as a religious experience. He was trying to beat his drug addiction, okay, uh, really trying to get that under control. And uh, he experienced, he said, as seeing Jesus Christ, okay, he says he, he saw Jesus Christ enveloped in light. Um, and he kind of walked towards him. Yeah. Okay. And he actually kind of walked through him. He said. Yeah. And uh, he 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 would he would speak of this experience in the in the 1970 song "Your Own Backyard," which is a song about that he wrote about being on drugs and being messed up, and then having this this turnaround. So he approached Lori Records, his old label, for a new contract. And they agreed on the condition that he record this new song called Abraham, Martin, and John. Now, the song, believe it or not, was written by a guy named Dick Holler. And Dick Holler had a big hit with the Royal Guardsman song, Snoopy vs. the Red Baron. Okay. <laughs> remember that song? I remember okay. that. Yeah. And uh, he had a big hit a few years earlier with that. And he was writing music and the label said, do this song. And he said, okay. And it turned out to be a huge hit. The song Abraham Martin and John is about the assassin assassination of Lincoln, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., which had just happened. And also the five years earlier assassination of, of president John F. Kennedy, which the country was still reeling from. And in 68, Robert Kennedy would be assassinated as well. So it was a very, you know, timely song. And uh, it got to number four and it resuscitated Dion's career. It totally, you know, put him back in the American eye. Okay. Getting to number four and it sold over a million copies. It was, and it was a different kind of song. Okay. It was a more of a singer songwriter folkish kind of tune. 
okay? And uh, most people were not used to, in America, were not, were not used to hearing him do anything other than doo-wop, okay, which is what he was known for. Now, after this time, Dion's music would change, okay, in a different direction, obviously. Uh, he did become more of a singer-songwriter. And a Christian also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, would, he would start to write Christian-related music soon, okay? Uh, but at this point, he had signed up in 69 with, with Warner Brothers, okay? He got a contract with them. And some of the music released sold well. Uh, over the next couple of years, uh, they would, he would be doing okay. Nothing, no big hits, but enough to keep going. Uh, Dion and the Belmonts reunited again in 1972. And there was a show they did at Madison Square Garden in New York City on June 2nd of that year in 1972. And they would release that album as a live album um, on Warner Brothers that year. In 73, uh, they did another reunion show at the Nassau Coliseum out on Long Island, but that was not recorded for an album. Um, in 75, Dion would team up with producer Phil Spector to record Born to Be With You. And we, we talked about this quite a bit in the Phil Spector episode. Yeah. Uh, the album was a commercial flop, didn't do well. Uh, he had a hard time working. No surprise there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, he, he even said, God, he made me sound like, uh, you know, funeral music, which I, I don't. OK, uh, he disowned that record, Born to Be With You, for a long time. And uh, in, over the years, it's kind of become a cult classic to the next generation. All right. Uh, it, it's been an influential record. I mean, he does a version of uh, Your Own Backyard on there. That's great. And the song Born to Be With You is a, is a pretty cool song. But for some reason, I think it was a little just not the sound that he was looking for at that point. So in 78, he released a, uh, an album called Return of the Wanderer, hoping that it would bring him back. But it really didn't do anything. Now, the religious stuff would really kick off in December 79, because in that month, he became a born again Christian. All right. And his subsequent albums after these, after this experience, uh, would all be of a Christian nature. Now, the period for Dion with the, the Christian music would peak about 1983 with the album I Put Away My Idols, which got to number 37. And he got that out of uh, out of a, a verse, I believe, in Isaiah in the Old Testament, where it talks about putting away your idols. And he, he had said, you know, I, I, I had a lot of idols and that I just didn't need. And God wasn't number one in my life. So wow. I, put, I put away my idols. And it got to number 37. It went top 40 in America. And uh, he would win what's called the GMA Dove Award, which is like a Christian music award. And he also got nominated for a Grammy that year for Best Gospel Vocal Performance for that album. He didn't win, but he got nominated. Wow. Now... Um, in 87, Dion agreed to do a concert of all of his old hits at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Um, this would be recorded, uh, but not released for about 18 years. Uh, in 2005, that show came out on a two-disc CD. Uh, but the concert was, was, was a big comeback for him. 
it allowed him to kind of come to terms with his past, uh, remind everybody of his past, okay? And also more contemporary musicians that were in the generation after him, uh, people like Springsteen, Paul Simon, Lou Reed, okay, all showed up and would play with him, okay, at charity shows that he did uh, at this time and uh, also the, the show at Radio City. Um, uh, you know, all of these people, like Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, and Lou Reed, they all cited uh, Dion as a very huge influence in their music. So in 88, there was an autobiography put together uh, called The Wanderer, Dion's Story. Sold very well. And in 89, he made the seminal album Yo Frankie, which I remember when this came out, it was like, wow, he made a, you know, a new album. And they were actually playing the video on MTV a little bit. And uh, on the album featured Paul Simon, Lou Reed, uh, even Katie Lang, Brian Adams, and Patty Smythe. Not Smith, yeah, Patty Smythe. This was a big, <laughs> um, big hit. Yeah, yeah, it sold very well, and it's a good, it's a good record, even even to this day. Um, the album was produced by veteran producer Dave Edmonds, okay, and it kind of, you know, it showed him as still relevant and yet nostalgic, okay, and it, it sold very well. So he found his way back on the radio with this and uh, began some touring, and he had a you know very successful tour with it. But in '89 was a, a, a big year also for for Dion other than that album he actually was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yes, that he year was. and uh, Lou Reed was the guy who, who made the speech okay introducing him and, and putting him in and it began a, a years long friendship with Lou um, Dion would, would be on Lou Reed's New York album uh, you would hear him sing and play on a track or two on that album um, the little controversy about it, though, was that the Belmonts were left out when it came to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. And uh, I think that that caused like a bit of a s- split between him and those those three guys. Uh, I'm not sure of what their relationship is now, but at that point in 89, they were they were kind of bitter that they were not included. And, uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has a history of fucking up. All right, and, and that, that, was, that was definitely a fuck-up. So in the late 90s, Dion would have another religious experience and, and return to his Catholicism that he was raised as an Italian. Okay, yeah. uh, He went to visit his old parish at um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in the Bronx, and somehow it, 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 you know, it changed him. Now, his wife, Susan, was a is a is a devout Catholic. So I'm sure being married to her and he's been married to her for like 50 something years now. OK, yeah, and, uh, a long time. Yeah. And um, I'm sure she was a big influence. What he also started to do it after that was he got what was called a prison ministry together. OK. And he would reach out to prisoners and other male drug addicts that were going through addiction recovery and try to help them. And he did all this very low-key, very under the radar. Um, he reminded me kind of like uh, what Alice Cooper does. Alice Cooper does the same thing for a lot of celebrities and people that are going through 
um, addictions. He does things very low key without a lot of fanfare. And, and Dion does the same thing. Now, over the next 20 years, he would play or record with dozens of musicians, such as Scott Kempter of The Dictators. He was also in a band called The Dell Lords. Yep. Um, and Mike, uh, Mike Masaros of The Smithereens. Uh, they were the Dell Lords, and he would record with them. Um, he would also cover uh, Springsteen songs, Buddy Holly songs, Johnny Cash songs. He was doing all kinds of stuff. Now, in January of 2006, he released an album of, of blues music called Bronx in Blue. Yeah. And in 2007, there was another blues record called Son of Skip James. Okay, and that was basically the same kind of stuff. In 2015, he began a stint in Vegas, and he was even uh, invited to be the keynote speaker at the 2016 South by Southwest show in Texas. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. Very popular. Um, To this day, he's still out there. He's still recording. I think COVID, of course, has affected a lot of things. Um, There was a musical that's been worked on for the last 10 years or so called uh dion it's called the wanderer the life and music of dion yeah and uh i believe that was supposed to come out but covid and it was going to be on broadway and covid i believe stopped it but uh they are working on that now so he he's about to turn 82 and the guy is still out there and 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 being very relevant and playing the music he loves and and i don't know did you happen to see that interview i sent you from uh with him on that religious channel yeah, that was very good. Very good. Yeah, interview. yeah, yeah. It was an hour long thing. Hour long thing from the the Catholic channel EWTN. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he talked. He was very candid. He talked about his life and his drug addictions and his problems, and you know, he a lot of people that helped him, and you know, he really didn't have a bad word to say about anybody. You know, and yeah. I thought I thought it was a, a very cool interview. So that's all I got for you today, Mister. All right, Mike. Not bad. So. We have another wonderful show of The Rock Show. This is episode 128. And um, what do we say at the end of every episode? Don't get drunk. Get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. Podcast you will hear that will be music to your ear. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on the Rock Show. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.